Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Studio the Bear. How's the Bear feeling today? Good, but my beard's getting long. I need to, <laughs> need to go trim that. Not only is it getting long, man, it is getting gray. I yeah, tell more you. and more. Yeah. And you're kind of young to have this, just this burly gray beard. But I mean, you can't help it. It just is what it is. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not about to be somebody else and color that. You know what I'm saying? This right. is who I am. Yeah. Look out, world. This yeah. is Deacon Bear. Right. You know now, what I'm we did get mailed in at some point last year from Show Mom some beard oil. Yeah, I've been using it. You still like it? I do. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks, Show Mom. Um. One what? of these days, I'm going to shave this thing off, and nobody's going to know what to do. They're not going to recognize you. I'm going to look horribly deformed, <laughs> which, one, that's how I look anyway, but like when you see someone, you're used to seeing their beard, and now they don't have one. For at least two weeks, they seem horribly deformed. Well, you probably have children who have never seen you that is correct. without a beard, so they probably wouldn't recognize you. At least it would be weird. Yeah, at least one would start crying, and I know which one. Right. Yeah. You may have to show them pictures of you without a beard and be like hey this is what's about to happen well the thing is it's been like six years so i don't even know what i look like without a beard because i don't look like that guy six years ago that's true i mean i've hit the uh pre-40s aging time warp it seems like right before you hit 40 you just go in a little aging tunnel mm-hmm. I, i've done it i've just been covered by a beard yeah yeah well here you are yeah so. but look i'm happy to be here you're very you happy. know what i'm saying i mean you age well thank you I mean, I'm older than you, but you age well. You you age better than I do. <laughs> well, I don't know. People think I'm your age. Really? Yeah. Mm. When they guess my age, it, with the beard especially. Yeah. What? Mm. Okay, I think without a beard, you look a little bit younger. Oh, yeah. Okay, so the beard makes you look a little bit older. That's why. So, you know. Anyway, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of the show, wherever you are. KLFT Radio here in Acadiana or um, anywhere Anywhere, really. You could be on the Moon podcast in this thing. On the podcast. I think they have internet there now. You know, the cool thing about being here in Louisiana, I was thinking about this with friends and family and folks from all over the country, is they really have a very boring sort of February. Okay? Huh, I never thought Compared about this. Compared to us, we have Mardi Gras. Yeah. And what they call carnival season and it's already happening, parades and Mardi Gras and just this whole excitement and king cakes. And it just kind of brings in this like dead of winter before the spring, this sort of, you know, joy de vie, Mm -hmm. you know, this joy for life. And, you know, uh, but most most people have no idea what's going on. It doesn't even exist, you know. And here's the thing is like for those folks who are – you know, more in like an, you know, Irish community that celebrate, you know, St. Patty's Day, you know, in March, it's one day. I think people realize it's like Mardi Gras, yes, one day we celebrate it for two weeks. There's parades. At least, the week. yeah. Yeah, at least, you know. Yeah. And so it's all this, you know, excitement and kind of chaos. And, and you could be into that or not. But even if you're not, it's still around you. And it's like, hey, you want a king cake? You're like, of course. Why wouldn't I? A little, mm-hmm. you know, excitement in the midst of like the dead of winter, mm-hmm. you know. But you go around the country, they like they're just like head down, you know. It's just another month, just another day. You Man, know? you're right. Well, we're also in South Louisiana, in particular, we're so Catholic in our culture and origin that um, after Mardi Gras, even Lent has a real presence culturally. I mean, like 
you see seafood specials on Fridays. You see, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's a different time of year for Lent as well around here. And I imagine that's not true everywhere. No, it's not. Like if, if you're Catholic somewhere outside of South Louisiana, your Lent is very probably different. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, you come here, whether people are into their faith or not, they do Lent. Yeah. And Lent is just sort of like a term that everybody knows. You don't have to be like, oh man, I'm doing Lent, but I don't want to tell anybody because, you know, nobody even knows what that is or understands. Down here, it's like you said, like it's it's on every it, restaurant signs and, yeah. you know, Friday seafood. I mean, it, it really is kind of crazy because you and I are like, well, you're not really fasting on a Friday because it's just like no meat. But yeah, you have a platter of fried shrimp that just makes <laughs> it feel like this is amazing. Well, and look, I think God approves of that, and I'll tell you why. Here's my, here's my theory. Please. That's just a theory. It's not even a theological opinion, all right? Okay. But do you know when crawfish season is? Crawfish season, yeah. It's around when is this it? time. Exactly. Now, God from all eternity decided that in South Louisiana, he would put crawfish season during Lent. Mm. It could happen any time of year. Right. But this is the time where you could eat a whole mess of crawfish. Yeah, usually February, like through to June, May. So I think I think God wants us to eat that crawfish. I'm just trying to think. Here's my theory: is that when God made crawfish and those things lived under the ground, did He ever think people are going to eat those one day? And I love them. Yeah, and I love those people. I'm not sure <laughs> He really thought about that. See, that's that's the bigness of God's mind and His heart. Is like He loves those Cajuns so much. That when he created those crawfish, I don't know when crawfish started. When was that? Twenty million years? I don't know. Well, I don't know these crustaceans that lived under the ground. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're edible, but it's really not the crawfish that tastes good. It's all the seasoning on it. So, well, that's a good point. You know, the the Cajuns, you know, came up with all these seasonings that just make it. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and I think that's beautiful. Like, would you eat crawfish with no seasoning? Just a bland boiled crawfish and water no no well, no dip no seasoning i'd eat no it nothing. before other things like brussels sprouts um broccoli see now you're talking like just crazy out of your head no yeah. i would eat non-seasoned crawfish before brussels sprouts every day that's of the week. why you have gray in your beard because you just ah. you just dissed on the vegetables you need some green in your life speaking of green <laughs> do you have a have you seen what did you say that is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Well, Prophet Paul strikes again. Does he? You guessed the have you seen. Really? <laughs> you didn't even know it. No, I have no idea what it is. So have you seen, mm-hmm. um, in New Orleans, which is where Mardi Gras season is in its zenith right yep. now, yep. Um, someone broke into a famous New Orleans bakery and stole seven king cakes. Seven. And vodka and uh, other things um, because they were going to have them a Mardi Gras party. The thief sold seven king cakes, which is as many as he could carry. And which, by the way, like if those king cakes are big, I mean, they could be, you know, $50 a cake. You know what I mean? So that's, yeah. a, that's a, a good. But, but you know, the store owners, they just, they're glass half full kind of people. Really? Yeah. Because when being interviewed about it, they said, you know, our king cakes are just that good. <laughs> that That's great marketing. So, so they said, please come and purchase one during store hours but yeah they are that good 
Well, can we give them a shout out? Like, what's the name of their king cake? Because, you know, the great debate here in Louisiana is what is the best king cake? And right. it's always going to be, be be a debate. It's subjective. I don't know if anyone ever wins because it's going to be your opinion on what you like and I like. But there is a, a poll and a debate every year. Well, uh, the chef is Jean-Luc Albin at the Maurice French Pastries. Okay. That's where it is. He sounds French. Yeah, I mean, he must make a real king cake. Um, but our, our king cakes are is there that a, is there good. A fake king cake? Are there any king cakes that are fake? <laughs> no, no, he took the real ones. Maybe that's a good point because there are some fake king cakes out in front to show you, you know? Right. Um, well, the police had a good time because the store owners had such a good, you know, attitude about this. Mm-hmm. The police started kind of joining in the jokes. Um, but anyway, so like one of them said, yeah, it was me, and held seven king cake babies. You know how they, you get to have a baby in a king cake? Um, and uh, he's holding them hostage until the king cake place gives them free king cake every year. Wow. So that was the joke. I love that. Anyway, so that, that happened in New Orleans. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that time of year. It's Mardi Gras time. Well, which is, in, a, in part, sort of part of our show these next few weeks, is preparing for Lent. So mm-hmm. really, the genesis of... Mardi Gras um, <clears throat> is the celebration before Lent, before we fast. So it's not just this party, right? right. That that and with no meaning, right? The right. meaning of Mardi Gras is that we um, carnival season comes from you know what the word carny flesh, right? Like we 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 just we we enter into sort of this festival season. Mm. Because we're about to enter into Lent for 40 days. Yeah, corne vale, so goodbye to the flesh. Goodbye to the Which flesh. Which is really goodbye to meat, because we're going to give up meat for Lent. It's like we're saying goodbye. But it, it also signifies like all the fleshly things. Yeah, all the fleshly mm-hmm. things that we're going to give up and kind of enter into this Lent season. Now, some people go through Mardi Gras and they just don't pass go. They just keep going, mm-hmm. right? There's no, hey, let me exit right and get into to Lent. But we're we're about two weeks away from Lent, give or take a few days, and you know Mardi Gras should be preparing our minds for Lent. Like what 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 is God asking of us for Lent? What what does He want us to do? How does He want us to sacrifice? What does He want our prayer life to look like? What does mm-hmm. He want? How does He want us to give and and you know tithe or whatever those things are for all of us individually? What is He asking of us for Lent and? And I think we would do all of ourselves a disservice if we woke up on Ash Wednesday and we hadn't thought about that. Yeah, or if we woke up on Ash Wednesday thinking that ashes are a cure for a hangover. Because they're not. (laughs) That's not the idea. (laughs) Right. That is very true. (laughs) Yes. Don't do that. Right. Now, look, we, we've all been there. We, we woke up on Ash Wednesday. We're like, oh, man, it's Lent. I got to do something. God knows our heart and our attention. Like, I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is if you're listening, we have an opportunity to kind of prepare ahead of time yeah. on what is our focus for Lent. I've kind of been thinking about it a little bit. For me, I haven't really landed on anything, you know, because the yeah. way this season has sort of fallen with the calendar and everything is, you know, it feels like Advent just ended. And then we had Christmas and then we had this short, ordinary right. time and then Lent. It's kind of early this but year. You see, that's part of the genius of of a carnival season is that it's supposed to be connected to Christmas. Like it's supposed to be a um, 
the reason why you have public displays of your faith right now, like these parades come from these public displays of faith, is it's supposed to be a season kind of about evangelization, actually. Because mm-hmm. the Epiphany is a feast of evangelization, of bringing the gospel to Gentiles, to the nations, to the wise men that came that were not Jews. And so now we want to do that too and bring the gospel to those that are not part of our fold. That's what Epiphany is all about. It's supposed to bleed into Lent through this middle passage of carnival season. And if you don't believe me, just look at the colors. What are the colors of Mardi Gras, Paul? Gold, purple, green. Why? I'll tell you. I'll tell you right now. The Dude. gold is from Epiphany. Mm. It's the it's the vestments that the priest wears for Epiphany. Gold. And green is that little ordinary time we go through. And then purple is that violet of Lent. Mm. Mardi Gras is supposed to be that that like transition, but to keep the the public displays of faith going from Epiphany into let's all go into Lent and fast and prepare for the cross. Which is so funny because people probably think of the colors of Mardi Gras and be like, oh, who creatively came up with that? Some marketing firm or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like no, this goes way back into church history. You know, this season of of Mardi Gras and Lent is is a faith based season. They're they're. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like the church came up with this. Why? For our well-being, for our own spiritual journey, for our holiness and sainthood. This is why it exists. Now, look, I, let, let me flip the script here. Sometimes I actually do Lent better than I do Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah. Every year I do Lent better than I do Mardi Gras. Like in a, and I say that in like a real sense. Like I can sometimes not allow myself to have the joy de vie, the joy for life mm-hmm. in Mardi Gras, like savoring just the joy of what God has given us, right? Yeah. And and then therefore, like I get into, I'm already doing Lent before I get into Lent. But like, I think God wants us to really kind of capture the moments and the season and, you know, obviously in moderation for Mardi Gras, but like this idea of like, Enjoy what God has given you and then let it go mm-hmm. for Lent in exactly. a sense of like be detached from it. And so, you know. Well, because that's what Jesus did. See, when Christ was born and when he was baptized, which is really part of that Christmas mystery too. It's mm-hmm. like before he gets into his public ministry. Right. I mean, the Father gave him so much, you know, in his birth, in his life, and he's, he's grateful to the Father. But when his time came, when the hour came, he set his face for Jerusalem, and he laid down all of it on the cross for our salvation. Everything the Father gave him, he laid it down to save us. And that's exactly what we need to do every year is like we enjoy the good things God has given us, and we count them. Mm. That's the thing about Mardi Gras season or whatever this time is we need to share with the world, look what God did for us and can do for you. This is amazing. We love our life, but now we're going to lay it all down during Lent and journey with the Lord to the cross. And not run from the cross, but actually that's the whole reason we're Christian is to be saved through the cross. Not just to enjoy the parades and the festivals and everything else, but pay attention as we enjoy these things because they're going to move us into Lent, you know? And come with us. Come on the way of the cross with us. Wow. That's the true Mardi Gras parade, by the way. Yeah. The Mardi Gras parade ends on the way of the cross. It doesn't end at the, uh, you know, wherever the parade route is. I'm getting out of town for Mardi Gras. Where are you going? But I'm going to enjoy... You going to some cabin? The Mardi Gras season. <laughs> okay. Speaking of that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? 
Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Bear in studio. Hope you're having a wonderful day, getting ready for carnival season, Lent, whatever all the cases. And if you live in like Nebraska or something, you don't know what we're talking about. I'm so sorry. Bring it to Nebraska. Do a little corn parade. I don't know. Throw out some corn. I have no idea. All I know is that people are missing out. Yeah. They just don't know like life down here. You know, and people think about like living in Louisiana, like, oh, it's hot. Yeah, we have a few months. It's hot. But like no one lives life better than the people in Louisiana. That's true. You know, it it just is the culture here, you know. That's why baby. Yeah. I mean, I'm an advocate for the economy here. So just move, you know, apparently <laughs> like it's great. You know, we're, we're rolling, man. Yeah. So. It, well, a lot it, of people are moving down here. Um, I was. I mean, I'm constantly talking to these people, but one of them, uh, this week, there's a guy from North Dakota who's looking to come move down here. I um, can't imagine why. Good if Catholic guy. I was in North Dakota right now. No offense. I love North Dakota. <laughs> You're right. I'll go hunting there in August. But <clears throat> I can't imagine the frozen tundra right now. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. people have to plug in their cars when they go to the store so their cars won't freeze up. And look, we had the worst summer this past summer that you and I will ever remember. It was not that bad compared to the frozen tundra. I don't even remember because we have summer amnesia. We forget. Yeah, we have air conditioners. You know, so it's not that bad. I do have a question for you, though. Uh-oh. Okay. If you had to gun to the head, steal a king cake from somewhere, <laughs> where would you steal a king cake from? I don't know if I could say this on air. Let's just say... It rhymes with. I would do my part mm. for a traditional almond French style king cake from a place here in Lafayette. And yes, I've had all the ones in New Orleans. I've had all the ones in Lafayette. They're good, but. Th- so you do have a a brand that you like? Yes, a favorite, a traditional almond king cake, French almond king cake from a place here in town that is really set apart mm. from the rest. I like that. Maybe we can uh, get some good advertisement from that part mm-hmm. of the city. Mm-hmm. Does it have um, stuffing in it? I think it does. Uh, like, it has like a little thin layer of like almond cream. Um, yeah, but it's it's a real pastry, you know. No offense to any other king cakes out there mm. that are basically cinnamon rolls with icing because mm-hmm. those are good, but this is like a real like pastry you know what i mean okay it's it's refined i knew that your it's bougie you know your <laughs> culinary expertise <clears throat> would come into play here what about you i don't mm. this is my problem i know which one you want no this is really my problem get you a boudin king cake That's i don't the one you eat want. king cakes i don't eat cake 
get you a boudin king cake. Like it's I don't, just stuffed bread with, with boudin. Like, I want to enjoy it, but, like, the results of it is, like, I gain weight. Oh. Immediately. Yeah. Immediately. I, like, look at it, and I'm, like, <laughs> five pounds. <laughs> well, I'm making a, a gluten-free king cake for my wife this year, so. Well, there you go. You're making it. Yeah, I've had to get into all that. Um, my daughter, who also can't eat gluten now, um, it was her birthday recently. I made boudin stuffed uh, kolaches, mm-hmm. gluten-free ones. Yeah, I have to, man, because I love my wife and my daughter. So, I, you know, that's good. So they need to eat king cake too. Is they're Cajun? Yeah, I'm glad you love them. That's a good sign. <laughs> I mean, you're in it to win it. I am in for the long haul. So anyway, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, yeah, Lent's come up two weeks away. It's kind of, you know, here. And, you know, for, for those of us who aren't in Louisiana, the we don't really get lost in the carnival season. For those of us who are here, kind of in this region, we can get lost in the carnival season. Yeah. And then forget that Lent's coming up. And that's kind of, we, we kind of stumble into it. So we, there's this balance of, you know, really just kind of preparing ourselves you know, for the Lenten season and kind of going in that direction. You know, you'll start yeah. hearing some of the readings that are at play, kind of preparing, like the reading this Sunday. You know, it's interesting. You know, people are, you know, the disciples are bringing people to Jesus for him to do his healing and, and ministry. And then um, you know, it says they brought to him all who were ill and possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases. And we've been hearing these healing gospel readings on Sundays, right? But then it says, rising early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed, right? Mm -hmm. Like just, like this is Lent. This is the desert, like entering into this, this desert place in our heart of prayer and detachment and we see this foreshadowing in this gospel of Lent to come. This is what Jesus did. He entered in and then kind of, you know, went away. Yeah. My dream. That is your dream. Yeah. So you dream of Lent. That's your dream. My land is a cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. But that that is also a very internally spiritual place, This this resting place of detachment and quiet with the Lord. And it, it that going away by yourself with the Lord is so spiritually vital. It's it's um okay. So you me- we mentioned earlier how maybe I'm looking older with my gray beard. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because in the material world, the further we get from our source of our life, our birth, the further we get from like that moment where we're born, the older we get, right? Right. And the the closer we are to that source of life, the younger we are. Mm-hmm. In the spiritual life, the same thing is true, but the source of our existence, the so- our creator, the source of our birth spiritually is not an event in the past, but it's a person who's present to us right now. And the closer we are to him, the younger we are spiritually. Like we, And the further we are from him, the older we get, and we get gray and slow and sluggish spiritually. And... To go off by yourself, to be with the Lord, to take a deep breath of the source of my existence, it's the life of my soul. It keeps my soul young. Hmm. And everything else, like in the material world, can't do that. You know, um, that's why we say goodbye to all of it for a time. Right. 
it's all shadows. It's all good things, but it's shadows of the one who created them because he alone is the source of my life. Nothing else is. Yeah, I often think as I approach Lent, kind of, okay, where am I? What am I supposed to be entering into for Lent, right? Like I know it's prayer and, you know, fasting and tithing, but, you know, the, those mm-hmm. <clears throat> pillars of Lent, I, I know it's, but it often frame it sort of what you're saying is like, if I were to spiritually evaluate my life going into Lent, I could ask myself this question is, what am I attached to mm-hmm. that I need to be detached from? Yeah. Right? What attachments have I held on to over the course of this year? Okay. And, and they might not be bad things, um, <clears throat> or they may be, but it, it really kind of helps us say, like, can I can I detach and live without those things? And if I can't, maybe there's maybe there's an issue. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm too attached, you know. So that's why we, you know when the when the church suggests, you know, and kind of calls us to these pillars of of giving. Money helps you understand what are you attached to. Yeah, I'm attached to things, buying things, money, and therefore, like, I'm not willing to maybe reallocate those funds to the Lord. Right. Because I'm holding on to them, which is really hard. Okay, so let's just be honest. Okay. And then fasting, I'm attached to food and drink. I've become very lazy. You know, my body, I haven't taken care of it. And, you know, I'm not really, you know, I'm very attached to to food. So so where am I? What can I not live without like you know i know i gotta eat but like maybe i'm eating too much or drinking like can i so the church calls us to this fasting so we can detach from that right Mm -hmm. and then prayer like am i allocating time in my life to get away and spend time with the lord in prayer and quiet right uh and if i if i can't allocate that time to god maybe maybe i'm attached too much to my time and I've become very selfish in the way I use my time. Mm-hmm. And, and then, therefore, I might want to evaluate the fact that I can't give time away to the Lord, right? And so it really helps us frame where we are and what we can do. I mean, for me, it makes it real easy because I can kind of look at those things and be like, yep, this is where I'm at, and this is kind of where I need to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, essentially, the... Um I think you're attached to your beard. I'm attached a lot. It's gro- it's growing on me. I think it has grown on you, and I think you're attached to it. All right. Well, I'm shaving it then. I dare you. For Lent. Okay. No, you won't. Yeah. No. You just dared me. Now I have to do it. No, I think you should ask yourself, are you, are you attached to it? And if you're not- It is attached then d- to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm attached to it. Right. Um, no, it's. I mean, look. The the phone people, they set this thing where they'll show you every week. This is the most depressing part of my week, by the way. Okay. They'll show you each week how much time you've spent on a screen. Have you seen this? Yeah, screen time. Oh, my gosh. And every time I'm like, I can't believe this. I know. I say the same thing. Every time except this last week, it popped up and said your screen time was down 17%. And you cheered. And I was like, heck, yeah. Yes. I don't know how I did it, but it was down 17%. Now- it was down 17% because probably the week before it was up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. You did it. Well, wouldn't it be nice to have like a prayer monitor where you could get a week and each week it'll tell you, hey, you spent five seconds in prayer this week. 
Mm. Oh, well, the thing is, for most of us, that is our prayer monitor. Mm. Our phone. Well, our screen time. Our screen time. Yeah, imagine. Because if it goes up, our prayer time is probably down. Yeah. If it goes down, our prayer time is probably up. If our screen time's up, I think our time allocated to other things that are more important. Mm-hmm. Like we can all say there are things more important than being on our phone. Yeah. Right. Certainly, maybe you're working or you have a phone call or you're checking something on your calendar. But outside of that, if we can be honest, if we're on our phone, then we're not allocating time to things that are more important than our phone. You know, relationships with the people we love, being present to people, obviously maybe taking some time to pray, go to mass, things like that. If you were to take that time mm-hmm. and reallocate it, cool. Yeah. And you know, I know for some people, a lot of people for Lent do some type of fasting from their phone because it has become such an attachment for us in society, right? Right. From technology, things like that. And maybe that's just, I'm going flip phone for Lent. You just made me do it. Hey, now. Well, freedom and Lent. Yes, I got it. You got it. So I'm shaving. You're getting rid of the... Uh, yeah. Speaking speaking of shaving. Yeah. Um, do you have a weird Catholic stuff? What? Yes. What does shaving have to do with weird Catholic stuff? Oh, it's about stuff? to get weird in here. I guess it is. Because you're here and you're Catholic. You're weird. Weird Catholic stuff! I mean, oh. you, you like that segue? I... I don't understand it yet, but I like it. I love when I make you laugh because you're just like, where is this guy even going? Where is this guy going? Um, yeah, so the Feast of St. Blaise is soon to be upon us. As we record today on uh, February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord and oh. my daughter Anne's birthday. Mm. Um, tomorrow, February 3rd, is the Feast of St. Blaise. St. Blaise. And it's one of the weird Catholic things we do that every year... On the Feast of St. Blaise, we have a blessing of throats. And if you've never done this as a Catholic, shame on you! No, just kidding. But, but get you, get you a, a St. Blaise throat blessing. Um, there's a good chance that a church near you is offering this blessing on at Mass on that day. Now, it's a Saturday. Is this not so weird, though? Like, if you were explaining this to someone who wasn't Catholic, and they're like, hey, where are you going? And you're like, oh... I'm going to church to get my throat blessed. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, and the way it's done is there's two candles that go around your throat. Yeah, like the ch- it's like a chokehold, man. Yes. It's like... Yeah, I don't think it's the first thing you invite your uh, non-Catholic friend to at church. Unless, <laughs> unless they have a fishbone stuck in their throat. That's right, or throat cancer or something like that. Or a fishbone stuck in their throat, because this is where the miracle started. That's right. I mean, for those of you who do not know the story, yep. right, St. Blaise, the legend is that, uh, you know, hunters hauled Blaze off to prison, and a mother came with her, her young son who had a fishbone lodged in his throat. At Blaze's command, the child was able to cough up the bone. So I don't know what, how, what he said in the name of Jesus, or mm-hmm. he prayed for him, or whatever. Fishbone, get out! Fishbone, <laughs> leave this brother. <laughs> I have no idea. Yes. Yeah, and, and so he became the patron saint of all throat ailments, um, which is why we do the, the blessing every year. And, you know, Catholics love their blessings. I mean, Ash Wednesday, goodness gracious, people come out of the woodwork. They don't go to any Mass. Sometimes Ash Wednesday is more packed than That's Mass. Right. That's right. 
That's right. Um, and the, the, the other weird Catholic stuff around this is that Ash Wednesday is actually not a holy day of obligation. Right. <laughs> right? Right. But, I mean, you will. there's no more successful uh, church that day than the Catholic church as far as attendance. You, you, no one can touch it. Take any mega church, whatever. Because like, people want that ash on their head. I don't know why. Because of the symbolism. That's the thing. The Catholic Church has rich symbols, including St. Blaise and the blessing of the throat. It's, And it's a symbol that does something. That's the thing about Catholic faith. These aren't just like, it's not uh, hocus pocus. It's not superstition. It's not uh, idolatry. The Church gives us these concrete signs to give blessings, to give God's grace, so that you know you got it. That's why we use concrete signs, you know? Um, you know if you went to St. Blaise Day and got your throat blessed. And that's why we use the candles. It went around your throat. So you know you got the blessing. You know, Ash Wednesday, you got it on your head. So you know you got it. So in the blessing of the ashes, though, is there is there like a grace to it? You know, or is it just, you know, I don't know. Yeah, there's a grace. If you're, if you're, I mean, what I go, I usually grace. go to Mass and they deliver ashes. And Correct. I'm thinking, oh, I get to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. Oh, and then I get ashes on my head to prepare me for Lent. But there's obviously more grace in the Eucharist in the presence of Jesus than in the ashes. Hello, FYI. Yes. And you're touching on the purpose of the ashes, which everybody misses. It's kind of like Mardi Gras. Some people are going to go to five different parades and not not actually enter into the meaning of the of the Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. Um, but our source of, of grace as Catholics is the sacraments. Why? Because Jesus is there. Right. The Eucharist, the greatest sacrament, is Jesus. He's our source of grace. And every other sacrament flows from the Eucharist to give us an encounter with Jesus, and that's why there's grace. But the sacramentals, the blessings, the ashes, the blessing of throw for St. Blaise, they dispose us to receive the sacraments better. Because we don't, while Jesus is there in every sacrament to give 100% of his heart, his ocean of grace is open to us. We only receive from the Lord what we're disposed to receive. We don't receive all the grace he has to give, but we get we receive the grace that we're ready to receive from him. Because he's a gentleman. He's not a tyrant. He's not the devil. He's not going to force us into anything. And so his love and his heart, which is 100% for us, gets poured into our heart to the extent that we want him there, to the extent that we're ready to receive him. And the sacramentals increase our capacity to love Jesus back, increase our capacity to receive more grace from the sacraments. And so you're right, ash, the ashes of Ash Wednesday really only dispose us to receive the Eucharist better, receive this, the, God's grace into our life better. Um, with, apart from the Eucharist, the ashes literally don't really do anything. Hmm. So what do we do? We love Jesus in the Eucharist <laughs> and get the ashes to love him better. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, you know, when I was in Catholic school, when I was a kid, and it fell on St. Blaise Day, we would get our throats blessed. Yeah. Now, we also have a blessing of the pets during the year. Mm-hmm. It's just can get really weird in this weird Catholic segment, right? Yeah. Now, the whole point of the blessing now, St. Blaise, is I don't know why you would get your throat blessed if there's nothing wrong with it, but if you're sick, right, mm-hmm. then there is a, you know, a blessing of the throat. I don't know. I get all. Let's say it's in. like a wellness checkup. 
an annual throat wellness checkup with the Lord. <laughs> you get your throat blessed uh, to help prevent future illness with the throat. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. That's true. Because that is the prayer, is may the Lord deliver you from every ailment of the throat. But then shouldn't there be a blessing for everybody? I mean, is that uh, the anointing of the sick? Point. I mean, like, why just throat? So that's is it like point. the throat on down? Like, hey, just bless everything. Come on. You know? Well, and that's the thing is uh, we used to have more blessings, um, particular blessings on particular days. I don't know if every part of the body would be covered, like the elbow. I don't know the blessing for the elbow. I could use an elbow blessing. But maybe, I mean, maybe we could start a movement. Um, yeah, because there is a Saint Elmo, which sounds like elbow. Yes. So we could start on Saint Elmo's day. We bless the elbow. That's true. But that is weird, and I think non-Catholics look at it that way. Like they're like, y'all are just weird, strange. Like, yeah, like, right. And like, like, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, guys. Like, come on, guys. <laughs> but um, we Catholics, we love. Jesus, one, and we love uh, those who love Jesus, like St. Blaise, mm-hmm. called saints, two. And we also love that we get to have a relationship with saints. They're not just dead to us. Remember your, your phrase you like to say, you're dead to me? You're dead to me. Well, the saints are never dead to us. They're not dead to us. I wrote a book about that. That's right. <laughs> or with that, not about that. Right, right. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're not dead to us. They're not dead to us. Speaking of, like I had this cool moment this week. A guy from St. Louis reached out to me just randomly through my website and said, mm-hmm. hey, got your book. We meet as a men's group. Would you mind ever hopping on, you know, Google Meets or Zoom? Nice. When we're in our guys meeting. I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Absolutely. I would love that. And so they met this week, like 8 o'clock at night, you know, so I logged on and they're you know, down in his basement, you know, mm. on couches, having a beer, discussing, you know, faith and uh, life as men and husbands and fathers. And they're reading my book for their their guys group right now. And so I just chatted with them for like an hour. It's awesome. Just like about like life. It was cool. Mm-hmm. That was like the highlight of my week, actually. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So... You know, shout out to those guys. I don't even think they know I have a podcast or even listen to the show. But well, you should tell them. Um, you know, shout out to Adam. You know, for reaching out, Adam Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Well, all the Adams know what's going on. <clears throat> yeah, well, Adam's a good name. Um, anyway, I, I, it it was just neat, and and the the cool part about it was it was just very just like I felt like I was in the basement with him in, in a sense of like I was there, but it was just. Talking about life, yeah, you know, um, and faith and God. But anyway, all this idea they were asking me about the saints and and what why certain saints were in the book and mm-hmm. you know and uh, so it just reminded me of like yeah I mean these these saints are are not only models of great virtue and faith but they were they were real people I keep going back to that mm-hmm. right real people historically mm-hmm. real and and yet. They're saints because they we know that they're in heaven and and therefore they're alive and praying for us. So remember that time you, you're not dead to me. <laughs> they're not. Remember that time you founded an organization called uh, the Art of Living. Remember that? Yeah, and, yeah, the one I have now. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And uh, and the whole impetus was Benedict the Sixteenth's uh, 
admonishment to well not admonishment but exhortation to the church that we need to teach people the art of living yeah well right living for christ well in every art you have uh masters right so the who's who's the best sculptor you've ever you could think of man i don't know michelangelo comes to mind because that's the only one i know he's good i don't i can't argue that's that. literally the only one i know yeah uh painter i'll go michelangelo again because i don't <laughs> Caravaggio. oh nice just rembrandt Look at you, Mr. Culture. You like that. Um, greatest musician? Bon Jovi. Awesome. I just made it up. Yeah. How about Bon Mo- Jovi how and, about Mozart? and Mozart? All right. So these things come to mind. It's important for every art to have masters if you're going to learn the art right now. And so if you're going to learn sculpting right now, to know about Michelangelo and imitate Michelangelo and to get to understand the mind and the, the discipline of Michelangelo, if you're going to be a sculptor, you got to do it, right? Right. Well, if you're going to be human, who's the master human? Of course, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. But that master human has been imitated throughout the ages by other masters called mm-hmm. saints. Mm-hmm. And in their particular circumstance, their particular life, their particular following of the Lord, um, they've created a masterpiece out of their life. Their life is a masterpiece. It's like looking at a Rembrandt when we look at the lives of the saints. We should come up with a master class of saints. You did with your book. I know, but we should like <laughs> do do a master class. Of oh, okay. I like that. It's your idea. Okay, it's a book. Show mom. That's a book idea. But it's a, it's a, it's an idea. I don't know if it's a book. Well, you see, the the reason why you do need a class like that is, you can't just look at the saints as this perfect statue, sculpture, whatever, and like I could never live like that. You have to dive into the mind and the life of these saints, which is what Holy Grit did for uh, for these men saints. Mm-hmm. It's like you actually dive into their struggles, their adversity, their story, um, to see how they lived life really well, even after they didn't maybe, like a St. Augustine. Right. Um, but they decided to make a masterpiece out of their life. There was still time. And that's the call to holiness for every one of us, is that we're all created to live a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. No matter how young or how old we're going to leave this earth, mm-hmm. we're created to live a masterpiece of life. And um, preach. The only way to do that is through Jesus and a close relationship with Him. Uh, and so Lent, you know, is that time to to rediscover the art of living well. And uh, the saints, I mean, it's it's a endless font of that kind of inspiration. So yeah, we we did Holy Grid at our parish for men last uh, semester. It was about twenty two guys, and it was. Excellent. Yeah. It went really well. It's not complicated. No, because look, we looked at masterpieces. That's the thing about the beauty of the book is let's look at Padre Pio. Right. And let's try to understand why Padre Pio is a masterpiece of a life well lived. Let's look at St. Paul. Let's look at St. Peter. Um, That's a good point. And that's essential. And and it's so sad that so many Christians have cut themselves off from these masterpieces of saints. Hmm. But this is this is the, the art gallery of, of heaven is, is these saints. That's a good point. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for health care and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of health care. Join the nation's leading health care sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable health care. Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's 
Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Great discussion. Last segment, by the way. Right. Kind of went all over, but it was good. It's good pre-Lent warm-up, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're all warmed up. So uh, it's good. Thanks for listening in on the show, KLFT, here in Acadiana, on the podcast, wherever you are. Um, yeah, I mean, we're just kind of trying to wrap my head around getting started for Lent, you know? Uh, but it's all Hashtag good. Hashtag best Lent ever. Let's all, do it. It's all good. It's all good in the hood. All right, speaking of Lent, why don't we do a six-pack of questions? <laughs> Questions. Speaking of Lent. Speaking of getting ready for Lent, right? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do that. All right. Question number one. We're actually gonna start at the end of the conversation instead of the beginning. Are we? So you mentioned uh, this group in where was it? Kansas. That was Saint Reed Lewis. Holy Grit, St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Um, and Holy Grit. That's awesome. But my question is about a different book. So uh, Advent, you had a book come out that sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, Fierce. Ad- Fierce. So, what's some feedback you're getting on on that? Um, I, the feedback that you know, the guys that I personally know that did it enjoyed having something practical to walk through that was specifically for guys. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's awesome. And will more copies be printed for next year? You think? I'm assuming. Okay. Yeah. Next next Advent. But yeah. I, I need to really start working on my next book. Which is what? I don't know. Okay. I mean, I do know. Okay. But I'm not ready to say it out loud. Okay. Yeah. So- sounds good. All right, question number two, back to the beginning. Um, so we talked about King Cake and Mardi Gras and all that kind of stuff. Um, my question would be, it seems like the serious Catholics I know, it's kind of like with Christmas. There's a side of Christmas that is kind of like, uh, to serious Catholics. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to insult anyone here, but I am going to just I think you'd agree with me. Like, yeah, the way yeah. the culture takes over the holiday. Yeah. And there's a side of Mardi Gras that's kind of like, mm-hmm. and it happens to be that, that uh side of both, in both cases, is very expensive for people. Mm-hmm. The amount of money you're going to throw into Mardi Gras or Christmas, mm-hmm. which is totally distracting and horrible. Um, because, Lent's around the corner, and we're supposed to be giving money to the poor, and we're going to dump all this money on ourselves right before, so we can't afford to give money to the poor. Right. Anyway. Um, That's a good point. So my question would be, how have you navigated with your family, Mardi Gras itself, living in South Louisiana? Um, have you engaged much at all? Have you kind of stayed away from it? Like, what, what's what's been your experience? And again, no judgment on those who are, like, all in on Mardi Gras. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we've never gotten in too deep with like the Mardi Gras parties and balls and things, but some people love that. I mean, you know, we could have never afforded to get into really deep into Mardi Gras. So like not, sometimes not having money kind of helps. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? I know exactly what you're um, saying. So um, we, we would sometimes when the kids were small, do a, a parade usually during the day because they're fun and very family oriented, you know, and just very culturally unique and, you know, 
it's a cool thing to experience. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you know, not not really, you know, other than hey, it's Mardi Gras and this is what it is and the meaning and it's fun and cakes and things like that. But that was that's the extent of us for us is it's like Mardi Gras light, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, you know, but. Well, question number three is related because yeah. I had this idea as you were talking about Mardi Gras. Mm-hmm. What if there was like a Christian Mardi Gras parade intentionally? So in other words, the point of the parade was evangelization. Mm-hmm. So people would leave the parade like encountering Jesus at the parade somehow. Right. Would you be more inclined to go to that? What's so funny is that it's a Christian holiday, the right. whole thing. So like It's it, like saying, what if we had a Christian Christmas parade? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Right, but Christmas has gotten so far culturally from what the meaning is, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like, can we re-Christmas Christmas? Mm-hmm. So can we re-Mardi Gras Mardi Gras, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's sort of like, I don't have the answer to that, but it's like, yeah, like the further and further the culture takes these Christian holidays away from its genesis, then here we here we stand as Christians sort of looking at our own holidays as though we are the aliens. Preach it, brother. You know, like yeah. it's kind of funny. Like, wait, what happened? Yeah. Right? How did we not, how do we lose control over this thing, you know? Yeah. It's not our event anymore. Right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't really know. But no, I probably wouldn't go to like this Christian parade because it would be like weird. <laughs> It's just like, why don't we just get a bunch of like really good people, Christian Catholics to enter into the current parades and like redo them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You got me down a rabbit hole, but <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Qu- question number four. So um, our Lord going away by himself to pray for Lent. Um, we talked about doing that, you know. So as people kind of assess their prayer life, what are some suggestions you may have as far as, one, assessing where you are in your prayer life? Like, how do you even measure that? Yeah. And then, two, to get a game plan together for Lent, for prayer specifically. Yeah, I mean, like, what what do you really need spiritually in your life? Where do you need to grow spiritually? Maybe there's a tool or a book or a devotional or your parish is offering something specific, a mission or adoration every night or during the week that you just are drawn to, you know, like let the Lord kind of invite you into Lent. What is the Lord inviting you to to do for Lent, right? So it's not like we decide and invite the Lord. Like let the Lord invite you into the desert and lead you on a retreat. Wow. If we looked at it that way, so start with asking the Lord what he wants. Ask the Lord what he wants for you for Lent. Like what what kind of spiritual rejuvenation, revitalization, reconstruction? Mm. You want another reword? Rethink? Rethinking. <laughs> does he want you to enter into for, for Lent? Wow. Okay. I'll do it then. I'll do it. Okay. I'll ask him if he wants me to shave my beard <clears throat> before I do it. That's the least of what he wants for you. <laughs> got a lot of other things he wants yeah he's like all right adam that's a good start but really there's this whole list of yeah much deeper things yeah let's get to the real stuff (laughs) all right question number five um can i be a little vulnerable with you about you Mm -hmm. not about me but about you for a second yeah sure so when we walked in the studio this morning you were singing a little song about the holy family was i (laughs) yeah 
I just I just made up a song. Yeah, you're just spontaneously loving on the Holy Family. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was great. So tell me about this, your love for the Holy Family. Well, you know, Joseph had a chapter in my book. Mm-hmm. I certainly have a devotion to Mary, mm-hmm. right? And then I love Jesus. And this is those that's the Holy that Family, makes sense. by the way. So like when you put all three of them together, you're like, hey, we're, we're a crew. Mm-hmm. I'm a part of this crew. So yeah, why not? That's what I'm talking about. Usually when I get stressed, I say, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, help me. Nice. Just all of you. Just the whole crew. You know, and there's something like, you know, even as my kids get older, there is very, I think something very safe about when they come home. Mm-hmm. Just they're part of something bigger, a family. There's always a home, a roof, some food. They're taken care of, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think when I think about the Holy Family and I just kind of like, I'm just like, oh, okay, they got me. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Man, that's awesome. You should write a book about the Holy yeah, Family. Yeah, you and your books, man. <laughs> I'm not that Show mom, put good the of a writer to keep writing all your ideas. <laughs> well, what you going to do in that cabin in the woods if not write? I don't know, write. Yeah, go to that cabin. Write us some stuff. All right, question number six. So um, we kind of ended the conversation talking about the saints and their importance uh, and a life well lived, and I mentioned um, the art of living. I know you've been developing a lot of uh, what you, what you've been doing off air, you know, as far as your ministry and your and your mission. Um, can you kind of update us on that? Like, tell us about um, the art of living. Some people have never heard of it, so tell us about it. Yeah, discovertheartofliving.com. Uh, um, we do a lot of um, consulting for nonprofits, churches, ministries, and speaking. You help with that as well. Um, we have another nonprofit that's been incubating over the past few years called Renew, where we do retreats, marriage retreats, men's retreats, women's retreats, renewbygrace.com. Lots of great stuff happening there. Mm-hmm. And then um, I also have my own business, Paul George, LA, where I do consulting, business consulting. I mm-hmm. work with teams, executive teams, companies, strategic planning. So, And then I write a little bit. Man, you know, so you're not just a podcast. Well, I have host? a big family, and you know, man, the bandwidth to raise a family these days—you can't just—it's hard to not be busy, right? You know, well, and there's so much gospel to be preached out there. There's so yeah. many avenues that need to go. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So, discovertheartofliving dot com or dot org dot com dot com. Mm-hmm. You got a dot com? That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, but in order to get that, I had to have a long, <laughs> a long name. Yeah. Part of, part of, yeah. Well, that's the six some, pack. Some other things were taken, but yeah, lots of cool things going on. And, and, uh, you know, it's fun cause you and I get to do some stuff together outside the radio and, you know, your ability to speak and help consulting in with a lot of these nonprofits and schools and things like that has been, you know, you you have a certain gift set for that, and you know your beard looks good. You certainly look well, older. Well, for now than, I'm about to shave that thing. You are. Yeah, yeah, right. I'll believe. You don't it when believe I see it? it. Okay, no. all right. No. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening in, being a part of the show. Look, two weeks out, we're preparing for Lent, so don't say you weren't warned. Yeah. And we'll be back next week. God bless. Mm-hmm.